Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Philippians chapter 4. We've gotten through verse 9. We've been teaching verse by verse beginning the 1st of January, and here we are, late June, and we're into the fourth chapter. Verse 10, Paul writing from a Roman jail, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. I want you to go down for, into verse 15 for just a minute to know that Paul was not scolding them. He was actually thanking them. Look in verse 15. Now you Philippians know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church, not one, none of those that I founded not one church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Wow. So back to verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Understand that these next few verses are in the context of physical, tangible, material, financial support. And he says, you have expressed your care for me through this gift, and I am rejoicing in the Lord. It caused, me, it caused a spiritual reaction when I received your physical, tangible expression. Now, let's look at that for just a minute. It caused me to rejoice in the Lord, and your care for me has flourished again. Not, you surely did care, you just lacked opportunity. How many of you know there's a great connection between caring and opportunity? There is a huge connection between caring enough to pray, to minister, to encourage, to invest, and opportunity. Opportunity what Paul's talking about here is opportunity requires three things. This is not on your outline. This is fresh off the press. Opportunity involves ability. If you came up to me today and said, Pastor, I'm in financial investments, and I want to give you a great opportunity, I'd like for you to take $1 million and invest it in this opportunity. Well, let, let me just tell you something. That ain't an opportunity because I don't have the ability. Opportunity assumes ability. But you've got to have opportunity to go along with it. The Philippians had ability. They just didn't have opportunity. You couldn't go online and make a deposit into Paul's account. 
You couldn't send a courier to Rome and get him some support to take care of his needs. In fact, if you look over there in verse 18, you will see that there's something else involved in caring and opportunity and ability, and that is there's got to be a vehicle. Notice he says in, seven, in, seven to, in 18, I, am, I have all now, and I abound, and I am full, because I have now received from Epaphroditus, aha, a messenger, a vehicle, the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So, again, this is not on your outline, the power of opportunity and caring, you've got to have opportunity presupposes that there is ability. It presupposes that there is a right time. You can't always take advantage of the opportunity that you have, and there has to be a vehicle. Many of you are in business. You, you, you're you have a powerful, listen, you're just as called as I am if you're in business. You look all the way through the Bible and you will find out, especially in the New Testament with Jesus and the apostle, most ministry took place in the marketplace, not in a gathering. You have just available to you just as much anointing to fulfill your assignment as I do to fulfill mine. You have, listen, in your business, ask God to open your eyes to, Lord, what do I have the opportunity to do? Where do I have the ability to do something unique that you have assigned me to do? Is it the right time? Timing. Help me to understand the timing of the Lord. Help me not to get ahead of you or lag behind you. And give me the vehicle through which you want me to invest my caring into this opportunity, the vehicle. And usually those vehicles are in human form. Has God called you to do what you do? Has He called you into your practice? Has He called you into your business? You say, I don't know if I have a calling or not. Well, do you have an assignment? In the absence of revelation, just do the obvious. And as you continue to do the obvious, revelation will come. So you say, Lord, if you have assigned me where I am, I believe that through grace I am blessed and highly favored. I have the ability to do anything you've assigned me to do. Help me to stay put until you release me or promote me. And grant me the grace to impart what you have put me in this assignment to do. And in the meantime, I'm asking you to send the vehicles through whom my blessing will occur into my life so that I can then become a vehicle myself to where you have assigned me. You say that's a lot of spiritual gobbledygook. You ever heard of the word customers, clients, patients, ministry partners? 
Well, I don't know if I ought to pray about that. The Word says your water is broken. Is your water broken? Philippians 4 says that you are to let your requests be made known to your Father God. Your request, not His. Yours. Is your water broken? Some of those things you've been reluctant to ask for may be the reason you're not receiving. James says you do not receive because you do not ask. Pastor, it also says if your motives are wrong, then that's the reason you don't get what you ask for. I know that, but I know this, that I don't usually know my motives are wrong until I start asking. Y'all pray for me. I'm not spiritually sharp as y'all are. Okay. Opportunity. Ability, timing, and vehicle. How many of you know opportunity has to be given, but it also has to be taken? It's one thing to solicit from somebody else, but it's another thing to make it difficult for somebody to invest in you. I said it's one thing to solicit so that people hate to see you coming. It's another thing to not give somebody an opportunity to invest whom God has orchestrated to come to invest in whatever your assignment is. Don't make it hard for people to invest in what you're doing. You know, here's something else. Paul expressed appreciation to those who invested in his financial needs. Can I ask you something? Do you, do you take the time to thank those who are investing in what you are assigned to do? For 23 years, unless you have told me to not do that, and I, I respect and understand that. For 23 years, we have acknowledged every gift that has been given into this ministry with a tangible expression. And I know some of you get tired of, of, of seeing them. I can assure you I don't get tired of receiving them. But at some point, what we want you to know is this is not mechanical. We want you to know we appreciate you. We're grateful. Those of you who run businesses, do you tell your customers thank you on a regular basis? Do you express gratitude for those who have chosen to invest in you? It's a powerful principle. Notice what he says here in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. You know what Paul's saying here is? My accommodations and my circumstances are not ideal, but I have learned not to speak out of my need. God wants us to become not need-oriented, 
but supply-oriented. God wants us to get to the point to where we recognize that our needs do not define us. What you are needing today, what you are hurting because you need it so badly, does not define how important or valuable you are to your Father. And it shouldn't define how important and valuable you are to you. Have you ever been around those who are so need-oriented that everything that comes out of their mouth is about their need? Every time there's some discomfort, there is the advertisement of need. I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, as if you are responsible for meeting their need just because they have it. I want everybody to listen to me very carefully. You do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. He is Lord in you. But if I were you, I would, I would not only get weary, but I would be a little averse to every time somebody has a need, you getting hit on and becoming responsible for meeting their need. Don't you get tired of that? That doesn't get weary to you? What Paul is saying to us is, let's don't become need-oriented. Let's see what he says about it. I've learned in whatever state I am, and, the, and, the, and, and that has to do with a season that is changing, to be content. By the way, a need mentality always focuses on shortage, lack, and without knowing it, when you always speak out of need, you are fall, you're probably falling prey to trying to, through pity or manipulation or an entitlement mentality, to try to get somebody else to meet your need instead of going to God and letting Him choose the vehicles that He chooses through which to meet that need. Now, let's see what he says here. I've learned to be content. In whatever temporary state I'm in, I've learned to be content. What does that mean, to be content? Well, let's find out what it does not mean. Look over there in chapter 3 of Philippians in verse 13. It doesn't mean that you become passive It, it doesn't mean that you ignore your inner desires. It does mean that you don't try to get those desires met through illegitimate ways, but it doesn't mean that you should become passive. Look at verse 13, chapter 3. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that which takes me to a new level of intimacy with Him, which will eventually take me into His very presence. I'm pressing on. I am not content with the knowledge of the Lord that I have today. I'm pressing for more 
uh, more of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Are you satisfied with where you are with the Lord? Are you, are you pressing for more intimacy with Him? Not to become passive in our pursuit of the knowledge of the Lord. In fact, it doesn't even mean that you are to become passive with your ability to be a need meter. Do you know your covenant with God is in order, He wants to bless you in order that you will be a blessing. One of my seminary associates, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, wrote an incredible book called The Prayer of Jabez. Y'all read that? The Prayer of Jabez recorded for us in Holy Scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 9 and 10. He cried out under the direction of the Holy Spirit, inspired and put in the holy text, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be on me. Does that sound like a passive guy to you? Does that sound like a guy who don't want to handle any more resources? Does it sound like somebody who doesn't want any success? Does it sound like somebody who just wants to sit around and watch the world go by? Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Being content is not being passive. In fact, 3 John 2 says, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. My God wants me to prosper on the outside, socially, physically, and financially to the same extent that I'm prospering on the inside. How are you doing in there? How are you doing in there? Is there anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, greed? How are you doing in there? God's desire is that you prosper externally to the same extent that you're prospering internally. Because if you prosper over here on the outside more than you do on the inside, you haven't gained anything. All you've gotten is deceit. You've been, you've been deceived into thinking that you've got a source of security that you really don't have. Everybody say it with me. How am I doing in there? Sobering question, isn't it? So contentment doesn't mean that we don't aspire. There's something on the inside of you, in your reborn man, that desires for you to go farther. There's something on the inside of you that aspires to handle more of God's resources for His glory, to be a blessing to somebody. So what is what does he mean by being content? I've written it for you in your outline. The word content means to be settled and at peace. It means that you are not internally dissatisfied with God's provision and God's timing. How many of you know I am way out of line in my walk with the Lord 
if I constantly have the mentality, God, if you'll just fix this, then I'll be okay. Am I the only one that's ever thought that way? God, if you would just fix my wife, who is not here today, man, I got freedom today. I can say anything. If you would just fix my children, if you would just fix my business, if you would just make it to where this disease leaves my body, then I'll be okay. It's deceit, isn't it? What I found is that when God intervenes into that circumstance, which I think will make me okay, another circumstance seems to pop up every time. Can you all identify with me? If it's not relationships, it's money. If it's not money, it's health. If it's not health, it's somebody coming against me. If it's not, right? Folks, we need to understand that contentment is an internal relationship with the Lord of our life, our provider, our healer, our restorer, the God of our lives. And it's not true that if you'll just fix this, I'll be okay. Oh, to God that we would get to the point to where we say, God, I am okay whether you fix it or not. Are you content? Are you still, are you settled and at peace with God? Or are you still dissatisfied that God hasn't done something, provided something, or is making you wait on something? When I don't see the provision, I can still be confident in the provider. Do you believe that? Oh, you really believe Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything that I got to have. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. Now, at the closing today, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 37. Content. Settled, at peace, confident, not always dissatisfied. I'm not. Can you listen while you're turning? To be content means that you're not striving or always chasing circumstances to be the way you want them. When I am content, I'm not wearing myself out chasing people and things and circumstances to be the way I want them. I recognize that I'm having a hard time fixing myself, much less somebody else. Amen? Content. Psalm 37, verse 1 says, do not fret. You know, I looked that up in the Hebrew. It's very interesting to use my terminology, what it means is 
Do not be hot and bothered. Y'all know what hot and bothered means, don't you? I thought that would ring a bell with you. Internally churned. It has to do with temperature. This stirs me up. I keep, I'm churning all the time. I'm fretting. What does that mean? Because I'm worried about the outcome. I'm afraid it's not going to be the way I want it. So I'm fretting about it. Boy, that changes a lot, doesn't it? Notice he says, trust in the Lord, verse 3. Delight yourself in the Lord. But I want you to get to verse 7. Rest in the Lord. That's what contentment is. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. Don't get all hot and bothered and churned up because of Him who prospers in His way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Wow. Rest in the Lord. Lord, I am going to stop holding myself hostage and responsible for changing what I can't change. I take myself off the line of responsibility for something I can't change. You can't change another person. You can invest, but you can't change. Rest in the Lord. Lord, I yield the outcome over to you. I'm involved in the process of not being anxious. Instead, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I will let my request be made known. But I am leaving how and when to you. Rest in the Lord. I commit the final results into your hand. Notice what he says, wait patiently for him. How many of you know that God usually doesn't work on our time frame? But do you know as you obey the Lord, as you rest in him, as you go with those things in prayer that you don't have the ability to change, as you obey the Lord, when you are waiting, you are not wasting anything. Waiting is not wasted effort. Waiting is the most difficult thing you'll ever have to do. Waiting is believing his faithfulness enough to know that regardless of what you see or feel, he is at work to do that which he is desiring to bring to pass. And usually, the longer the wait, the greater the breakthrough. Amen. You don't believe that. Look at Abraham. Look at David. Look at people all over the Scriptures. Notice what he says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Let me ask you something. Who are you all hot and bothered about? Your overseer, your boss, your customers, your clients, your patients, 
The government struck a nerve there, didn't I? Who are you all hot and bothered about? Who is it that gets you inwardly churned up? Do not fret. It only causes harm. Wow. Everybody say it with me. According to the Word of God. And I believe it. If I'm churned up, it's only hurting me. Rest in the Lord. Yield the final results into Him. Get involved in His, in His method of operation. My burden is easy and my yoke is light, says the Lord. So contentment is being settled and at peace because I am at rest that my Father has seen all of these things. Can I tell you something? There's nobody out there with evil intentions who ought to be able to define my life or yours. Even if something is done, it can be undone. Our Father, your Father has the final answer. God, give us the grace and the ability, the knowledge of the Word of God to connect and agree with you and to walk in your rest. I don't know about you, but this passage right here is one that I have to come back to over and over and over and over again. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret. You know, one of the main things that bothers you is when you see people who are not pursuing the Lord getting what you want. Don't that just gripe you? That does bug you, doesn't it? I mean, here you are trying to obey the Lord, and you see somebody who don't even care about the things of God. They're out there looking like they're strolling through life with everything you wanted. Wouldn't that get you hot and bothered a little bit? If it doesn't, you may be dead. You just don't know it. <laughs> How many of you know that anything that is gotten by evil means, those wicked schemes, will be brought to nothing? Look in verse 9, evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth and all the blessings that God has in store and has ordained for you. Would you bow your heads with me? The next altar call we have here will be the first one. We'd do it just like that if the Spirit tells me to, but here's what I want you to do today. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to identify in you where there's turmoil, where there's chaos, where you're unsettled, where you're not resting in the, uh, in the final result being in His hands, 
you're still thinking and striving and pursuing to make it happen in your own strength. Now would you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you grant me the grace of Jesus to walk with full assurance, settled and at peace, that my issues are in your hands. Release me from trying so hard to change the things that I can't. Just by your grace, let me be your willing servant to get involved in the process to love, to pray, to encourage. To minister as I'm allowed, but never forgetting that it's you who are my Father, it's you who are my Shepherd, it is you and you alone who can bring resolution to this issue. I believe that every wicked scheme, even if it appears that it's prospering for a time, will come to nothing by your hand. Will you commit everything and everybody into the hands of God and ask Him today to give you a spirit of contentment, a settled peace, that you will not be need-oriented but provider-oriented, resting in your Father. Not going out to solicit, but being wise enough to offer opportunity. Lord, bless all of these that you've given me the distinct honor to serve. Speak to them, encourage them, bless and protect them. Release those who are caught in the vice grip of fret of inner chaos, by your Spirit breathe on them today and reinforce their release by your Spirit's ministry, moment by moment, day by day, and bring them, Father, to that place where their faith becomes sight in that which has held them hostage. Thank you for them, Lord. Be merciful to all of us. We thank you that we're blessed and highly favored by the grace of God. And may we not believe the lies that the world tells us about who we are and what we're like. We thank you that we're citizens of a kingdom that is above every government, that is higher than any operation of this world. We thank you that there's no lack there, that there is a Father who owns it all, and that as we believe and obey, we can connect with that provision. 
We only believe and obey, Lord, because of your grace. Thank you that it is in place. Help us by faith to connect with it. In the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.